BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman. Before I start today's episode, I just want to remind everyone that I have a book coming out in January. I know it's far off, but if you pre-order with the link in my bio on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast, or you can just Google it. The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans. I'm going to have pre-order incentives and ways of connecting with you virtually as a thank you for pre-ordering and to sort of get started talking about the five principles. And of course, it just really helps me to have pre-orders because then booksellers see that the book is very much sought after and they want to bring it to their local bookstores when the book comes out. So if you've been a fan of Raising Good Humans podcasts and you want to both get a copy of the book and be really super, super supportive of me, I would be very, very grateful. And now on to today's episode, I am interviewing Dr. Caroline Leaf. She has a brain management technique called neurocycling that I thought was a really interesting thing to introduce you to. It's kind of a method of mind management that uses the brain's ability to change, to reorient thoughts and patterns. And she has a new book out to talk about how she's done that to clean up the mental mess, as she refers to it. Dr. Leaf is a communication pathologist, audiologist, clinical and cognitive neuroscientist, and her focus is specifically on neuroplasticity. And she's the best-selling author of Switch on Your Brain, Think, Learn, Succeed, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, as well as a published author in academic journals as well. We're focusing on understanding this five-step neurocycling process that both parents, caregivers, and children can go through, whether they're two or 22. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcast Premium, write a little review, give a five-star rating. And if you don't have something nice to say, just DM me and tell me privately some constructive feedback, and I will definitely take it into account. First of all, could you explain NeuroCycle? And then we can get into the process of it. Absolutely. Well, this journey with the neurocycle began about, gosh, over 38 years ago, where I, I was working with traumatic brain injured patients and I was still doing, I was actually still doing my initial, my professional degree. And I was challenged by one of our neuroscience lecturers was talking about how the brain can't change. 
And so I thought, you know, in the 80s, that's what they believed. And I remember saying, but, you know, your mind uses your brain. Your mind's always changing. So therefore, your brain must change. And he said, well, go to research. I said, absolutely. What area? And he suggested traumatic brain injury because his point, he was being kind of facetious and saying, well, you know, if the brain's injured, you can't do anything about it. And I thought, there's got to be something wrong. So he said, well, go work with traumatic brain injured patients. So I did. And that got me going in this field because I saw that if you can help a person be very intentional, deliberate, and guided in how they use their mind for whether it is learning something new, whether it is changing a habit, whether it's building a new habit, whether it's dealing with a mental health challenge, if you can be very deliberate and organized with that, you should be able to change your brain and change how you function because your brain is not your mind. Your brain is used by your mind. And so that started a whole years of research that I still currently do research and I've practiced clinically for 25 years applying these principles. But what was birthed out of that research was a theory and theories out of the theory was birthed a very practical step-by-step process of how does information get from, for example, this conversation or whatever is going on in your life when you wake up in the morning till you go to bed, how does information experience life get into your brain in the form of memories? You know, what is memory? What are thoughts? What is thinking, feeling, and choosing emotions and all these things that are thrown out there and, you know, fairly well understood, but also not so well understood. And I wanted to understand the science of that and put it together as a nice, neat sort of understanding that people could then use to guide them. So the neurocycle is pretty much that. What happens? What is this? How do we create these experiences into our network? And by network, I mean mind, brain, body, which in science we call psychoneurobiology. So how does stuff get into the psychoneurobiological network? Why is it important that it gets in? Well, without that, you can't function as a human. So the, the ability for us to be alive and live is because of the fact that our mind-brain-body connections active and it's enabling us to absorb the information from outside, process it, and then that drives how we function. So that's the principle operating. I wanted to know how to get it in and how to take advantage of that. How can we help someone who's got a brain injury and who needs to rebuild their brain or has a learning disability or is battling with dementia or has had severe trauma and it's impacting how they function? How can we take that knowledge and then turn it into something practical. So the neurocycle was birthed out of that desire and has obviously gone through major iterations over the years and development. And at each stage, it's a, it's a system, a methodology that has stages. And in each stage, you can fit whatever you, once you do the basic principles, you can put any kind of technique or therapeutic. If you're a therapist, you can use, you know, the, it's not saying you don't do any of the therapy techniques you currently use. You pretty much just put them into this correct order so that you make sure that it builds into the network in the right way. So you make sure that it actually does the driving. If we don't do that, if we don't do follow a system that is aligned with how the mind-brain-body network works, we're going to build stuff very randomly into our brain because everything you're exposed to, you're going to build it in. But if you're not organized in how you drive that process, it's a lot of random information. And that leads to a lot of knowing bits and pieces of stuff or knowing in terms of mental health, knowing that this is impacting you and this is probably where it's come from. And here's some things I can do. This random thing that is no progress forward or it's not, you seem to be stuck or you seem to be falling back into similar patterns or you don't seem to get through that addiction or whatever it may be. And that these patterns emerge in your life. So it's almost like I know Doing it is a big chasm. So the neurocycle basically closes that gap. It helps you as a human take whether it's the day-to-day struggles or whether it's the huge traumas of life that 
hopefully all of us will have some experience of, but some people have more than others, hopefully not too many, but it, it, on a scale of one to 10, one, two, three being your day-to-day -day stuff, just you know the normal irritations of day-to-day, -day, the middle being more serious, we'll be starting to develop habits that are impacting behavior and impacting ourselves and others. But the eight, nines, and tens are literally the terrible things that happen to people, like in the rapes and the abuses and the physical traumas and war and racism, all these things that are happening to people that are traumatizing their life from early childhood or at whatever stage. So the neurocycle is applicable, the system is applicable for all levels because it is not a technique. It is a system for just making the networks go in the right direction. So whatever's happened to you, you can't change, but you can change how it's been wired into the network and therefore how it drives you into your future. And this is something that you can teach to yourself because it's, we do this automatically on an unconscious level. So I'm basically brought the neurocycle from the science and all the application and so on. I've brought that into the conscious realm as a simple five-step system with a preparation phase that when you put everything into that organized model, you're going to then be rewiring the network in a way that will actually create change and reduce frustration and help you to be a human experiencing all the ups and downs of life. Does that make sense? <laughs> can you go through kind of the five steps broadly, and then we can talk through examples of how it translates to children as their wiring system is getting into place. What I love about it is that unlike adults, if we can put this into the conscious of our children who are maybe struggling or having challenges, that then it becomes part of their way of being. So you don't have to rewire them in adulthood. Absolutely. And, and having said that, we, so what we want to do is, is approach things from both angles. We want to be proactive with our children and we want to then, as they go into adolescence and adulthood, they are more equipped. So it's giving them pretty much the tools to tell their story and to recognize that you don't have to pathologize childhood and medicalize misery. It's part of our life skills. So exactly, exactly that point. And it's, it, it starts really with us as adults, the parents in the children's lives and caregivers and so on, helping model this process. So the, the basic idea, what our, what our mind, brain, body network wants is, first of all, if something's happened to us, let's take it from the viewpoint of mental health. So where a challenge has happened, maybe a child's been bullied or maybe there's some kind of issue that's happened and the child's changing behavior and we'll talk about I mean this is adults and children Adelaide it does it's humans okay and so you what, what we want to do is start with the beginning which is you showing up in a certain way and I like to use the word showing up because we do we show up in a conversation we show up in a relationship we show up at work we show up at school we're showing up with a certain cluster of um, signals and if we can learn to recognize the signals we can then do something about finding why we have those signals in the first place. Because the way anyone shows up in any one moment isn't just some random thing. It's, it's because of something that's going on in your life. There's always a because of. And that's really key with the neurocycle and with whether you're a child or an adult is I am feeling like this. And there's more than just feeling. It's, it's, we'll go through the moment. I'm showing up like this. This is not who I am. I'm showing up like this because of there's something that's relevant that I need to work on. So the neurocycle takes you from that place of looking at where you're showing up and then finding what the detail is. In other words, the thought that this is attached to. And in the thought is how is this playing out in terms of how I see myself and behaviors and all that kind of stuff. 
down to the source or origin story or root cause why what's what's going on so it's kind of deconstructing and then you can't change that experience it's a, you can't eliminate it i should say but you can you can alter what it looks like you can change what it looks like so if you think of a tree you think of a tree's got roots and if the tree's maybe dying you can go and put plant food on the roots and you can heal the roots and the tree can you know be healed and that's kind of the process here is that you're not going to take the tree out the tree never will go away but you can certainly heal the tree and part of that healing is acceptance and all that kind of stuff all the things that we know about but you've got to go through very distinct phases to get to that point so it's all very well to say I've got to get to a point of acceptance and peace and I've got to learn to you know reframe all those things but if you don't do it in the right order and if you don't give someone the logic behind it it just becomes a lot of things I've got to do as opposed to and so that's what the neurocycle is doing. If you look at my Instagram, you will have seen in my story, my obsession with skylight frames, actually specifically the calendar that they're doing. It's making family life so awesome and easy in terms of transitioning and organizing for school. I got it right in time for back to school season. Every one of the things that we need to have on our calendar, everything visual for chores, expectations, rides, notes, grocery lists. It's all on Skylight. It just reduces the insane mental load of the family. It's a smart touch screen. It syncs with all of your existing calendars. So it just is going to make your life so much easier. And you know how with your little phone, if you're looking at the calendar, you can't get kind of the broad view. It's just so helpful. So since it syncs with every one of your calendars and it has chart charts and it has recipes, I cannot tell you how much I am obsessed with this Skylight calendar. Now, as a special offer, you can get up to $30 off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com and you enter the code HUMANS. Again, that's skylightcal.com and enter the code HUMANS. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L.com, promo code HUMANS. I've already gotten them for so many people for presents because I am truly using this and loving it. I am back to school. I'm back to routines. I, unlike probably everybody else, am cooking more than I do in the summertime. And I was just admiring that even though I made a big mess, I have my beautiful caraway cookware and it just looks good. It's easy. I still can't cook but at least I'm using good stuff. It's non-toxic. It's chemical-free. There's a ceramic coating, which means the food can be prepared with peace of mind that there's no hard-to-pronounce chemicals that are going to leach into your healthy ingredients. It's naturally non-stick, so that means less oil, less butter. It's much easier cleaning. And if you visit carawayhome.com slash humans10, you can take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash humans10 or use the code humans10 at checkout. Caraway Home, non-toxic cookware made modern. By the way, it just is an added bonus that when I'm trying to cook, I am going to be working on better cooking this fall 
stand by for some follow-up with my caraway cookware and bakeware. So let's take now you show up in a certain way. And now what you want to do is become aware of that. As you become aware of showing up in a certain way, your physiology is going to be thrown off. So your chemistry is kind of doing things in your brain you don't want it to do. And you'll feel that in your heart fluttering. And, you know, your focus is not there. So to do something very cognitive or conscious is kind of hard. So we want to first prepare the mind-brain-body network. And those are the things that everyone talks about. It's the breathing, the meditation, the, you know, whatever thing, like five things you can see, four things you can smell, breathing for three, out box breathing. I mean, there's a million different things. Those are very important. And I call it brain preparation, mindfulness, meditation. They create a general awareness of, of how I am at this moment, how I'm feeling in my body, how this is impacting me, a general awareness of now. But if you stay there at that point, you're going to crash. And that's what the research shows. And that's what my clinical experience, and I'm sure yours has shown as well. If you just become generally aware of how I feel in this moment and you don't do anything else, it's like flying a plane. If you just take off and you don't do anything else, you're going to crash. And this is what we're seeing as a problem with just brain preparation. So there's a lot of move currently for people to meditate, to do breathing, to, and I'm not anti any of this, mindfulness, CBT, all this kind of stuff, but you can't just do that. It's going to cause a problem. So I use that under the category of brain preparation. So your child's worked up, fetching from day, daycare or school, and they get in the car and they throw their bag down and they're kicking the seat and they won't talk to you or they're yelling or whatever. There's disturbance or they fight with the sibling or they're aggressive towards you. There's some, they're showing up. So those are signals. They're showing up. It's attached to something that's happened. And we need to go and do some deconstruction and reconstruction to try and work out what's going on. If this is a pattern, if this is just in the moment thing now, whatever. So the first thing that you would do is then calm them down, do some brain preparation. So maybe you are in the calm before you start driving or you're at home or wherever this happens. Just say, hey, let's just get ourselves in a calm place. Let's just breathe or whatever your favorite thing is that you've, and you've never done something like this. I have lots of examples in the book and there's lots of examples. I have an app as well called the NeuroCycle app where there's examples and you can find examples. You can just Google examples. But a great one to use in the moment is something like, breathe in for three and out for seven and there's a key way that you do it it's called the 10 second pause and it's a great brain preparation exercise especially when it's a heated moment maybe there's an argument brewing or something and you breathe in very deeply that your entire abdomen fills with oxygen and then you force it out where there's a sound like you're blowing up a balloon and that all pushes a lot of oxygen to the front of the brain which balances the energy waves in the brain which also helps with blood flow into the brain. And so the brain gets into an ideal state to start calming down. You can do that up to once, but preferably try and do it six to nine times. So for 60 to 90 seconds, and you've done a great brain preparation. So that's an example. Then you would move into through the five steps. And you can do this. It's going to take me longer to explain it than it is going to be to do it. And like anything new, at first it may seem this is too overwhelming, but like anything new, if you go into the gym, you work out, so you don't, you know, you're not going to be a violinist or a, an athlete in five minutes. You go and train. This is the same thing. You have to train your mind. Your mind is driving everything. It takes time to get your mind organized, the messy mind. So as I said, it's going to be quicker to explain than it is going to be for you to actually do and master. But the general idea is breathing, brain preparation. Then you're going to gather awareness. That's the first step. Gathering, specifically gather, implies that there's some kind of choice involved, that it's quite focused, it's quite specific, it's not all over the place. I'm not just doing a general mindfulness 
you may have done that as your brain preparation, but now you want to focus in very specifically on certain things. You want to gather awareness of the signals. So that how you show up, we're now going to unpack. So you're going to unpack it into what are my emotions I'm feeling, if it's for yourself, if it's your child, you're maybe in an observational way, you're observing their emotions. Maybe it's an interactive activity where you're saying, let's talk about how you're feeling. So three different ways, you're either observing or you, you're guiding them, doing it in an interactive way, or you are doing it for yourself, okay? And just in terms of maybe controlling your own reaction. So emotions, emotions like depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation, there's a lot of emotions. And emotions are not sicknesses. They're not bad things. There's no such thing as a bad emotion. Emotions contain information. They kept carriers, they packages of information. And that's why I call them a signal. They never live alone. If you have an emotion, you're going to feel it in your body. So it may be frustration. That frustration may be tension in your body. It may be a sensation of unease or whatever. But there's some physical thing, and we can explain why later. Then you, it's going to be associated with a behavior. And this may, you may not necessarily do it in this order, but emotions tend to hit you in the face. So generally we start with, I feel mad or I'm really upset or I feel uneasy. Where do I feel it in my body? And then the next thing is, how is this impacting my behaviors? What am I saying? What am I doing? What's my child saying? What are they doing? How are they saying it? How are they doing it? That would be the third thing that you observe. And then the fourth thing is perspective. In the moment, viewpoint, lens, attitude, how are they looking at life? So it may be, I'm depressed. I have gut ache, I am snapping or withdrawing, life sucks. I mean, that's really simple, but that's an observation you've made. Now, it sounds so simple, but that very focused, specific gathering awareness is making incredible changes in your neurophysiological network, in your mind-brain-body connection. It's basically bringing the, the network that holds this information, which are memories clustered into a thought. Thoughts are made of memories. It's make, bringing it into your conscious mind. You can't see it all yet, but you're becoming aware. This, this very gathered awareness creates a neuroscientific change in your brain where the little these thoughts are real things. They're made of proteins and chemicals. And your brain is the proteins that are holding this, this cause of you showing up in this way weaken. And if they weaken, that means I can change them. They're malleable. Then you're going to the next step. And it's very, it's very specific, very guided, very planned, not, not random and all over the place. You, you, and that's really important. Your, net, your brain networks, mind-brain networks work in a very focused, organized way. The mistake we make is to do too many things all over the place in a random way, throwing too many ideas, thoughts out there, gather them, get them organized, put them in a framework, and then you're going to have more success in rewiring. And then you'd reflect on those. So the next step, first is gather awareness. The next is to reflect. So why am I feeling this depression? What else am I feeling? Maybe there's maybe there's frustration along with this depression, or maybe there's sadness or whatever. And in my body, maybe you know, go deeper. Is it is it like just a tension in your shoulders, or is there like like specifically this with this emotion? Am I do I tend to feel this kind of gut ache when I have this kind of emotion? So there's a connection being made. You're getting getting insight. You're linking, and then you you do the same thing with the behaviors and and the perspective. So you're going deeper, you're taking the four little sentences and you're building them out into the why. Kind of like when you shine a light through a prism, a white light is one, you know, ray and then it breaks up into all the colors. That's what you're doing now, you're going deep. Now, this is creating a wave of energy in your brain. It is now stimulating these branches to come loose and it's creating all kinds of connections and associations of existing other thoughts things start popping, connections start popping up and associations and all kinds of stuff starts coming up. And it's kind of chaotic at this point. So you want to take all this chaos and put it on a piece of paper. Now, this is not journaling per se. This is capturing what's 
you've gathered and reflected on and so that you can go even deeper. So it's kind of writing all over the page, as messy as you want, drawings, colors, highlights, whatever you, you know, words, sentences, little paragraphs, put it in clouds. It's really just get it down, get it out. And even if it seems totally irrelevant to the moment, you still capture it. We can talk in a moment about if a child's not born. Once we've gone through the basic steps, I don't want to just confuse people, but we can talk about what if the child can't write yet. There's an answer to that. Then the next thing is you're going to look at this chaotic thing that's all over the page and you're going to go to the step step four, which is, okay, recheck. What? Let me check what I've written down. Let me see what my brain and mind have, from the non-conscious have poured into my conscious level. What does this all mean? What is the pattern? What's the antidote? What's the... The trigger, what are the activators? What this is happening? What can I do? All that kind of stuff. And that's where the reframing and all those great things from the different types of ways that we can think through things with different therapy techniques can come in. And you don't have to be a therapist to do this because you can go and Google and you can find many sentences to do this. Then you once you get that to a certain point that you start making sense of this, then you're going to close the cycle. And what I mean by close the cycle, your mind-brain-body network, all your biochemistry, everything about you works in cycles of tension and release. Everything is working in cycles at different speeds, genetics, everything. So the same, your mind also works in cycles. This processing is a cycle. So we've got to close the cycle. We took off, we started with brain preparation. We did gather, reflect, write, recheck. Now we're going to close. Okay, so what did I learn from this moment? What can I, what sentence could I build what activity could I do? What affirmation could I could I say? Or what visualization could I do that can help me stabilize what I have just learned and apply that to keep me stuck, keep me flowing forward today, and that I can then pick this up tomorrow? Because you don't solve anything in one day. If it's a big thing, it's going. You you don't do this once. You have to do this over sixty three days, and we'll talk about the numbers and whatever in a moment. Let's just get the basic concept. Could be something as simple as, okay, my sense of unease is coming from this relationship where this person has said something to me that's making me feel uneasy and I'm starting to see that now that I haven't solved it but that's okay I can see that it's something that can be solved so you make a statement like that and that could just be I'll work this out it can be solved or something like that and maybe visualize a white rose simple but it keeps you anchored because if you keep going and going and going and going which is very tempting because this process really opens up you're going to exhaust your physical brain because your physical brain is like a cell phone. It gets tired and needs recharging. And your conscious mind also gets tired. So you can go start going down rabbit holes and start thinking things and getting worse. So it's very important that you close the cycle and limit the time that you do this with yourself as an adult with your children. So you know, I normally talk around 5 to 45 minutes max. And with young kids, you can imagine it's going to be in the five-minute region, even a one-minute region. Right. This is 45. With adults, we have to discipline ourselves to, you know, kind of let's not go beyond the 45. The nice middle of the road is around 15 minutes for an adult, but some days you go longer. So that's just a guideline of time, how long you do this these steps. And if you think of five minutes, that's one minute per step. So you're not solving it all. It's very structured, very organized, but that's how you drive the chemicals and the energy and the protein and the genetics. That's how you drive it in the network to build something properly. And then over time, you are fixing this thought tree and so on and so on. So that's the basic idea. Now, you're welcome to ask me whatever you want to try and unpack the difference, whatever you feel necessary. So I think that now that everybody has a basic framework, if we take an example of it's going to be school starting and there are a lot of kids who are experiencing 
their first separation for school. So let's take that as an example. Let's walk through how you'd go through this neurocycle. So if you've got this toy somewhere in your house, or you know, you've, I always re- recommend designating an area, call it your mind area or your brain area. Kids love the word brain. They love the word neurocycle. You'll see two-year-olds, it just rolls off the tongue. And that's a special space. And maybe together you've put a little cute beanbag there and you've got a box of toys and art supplies and maybe Brainy and some other toys and the book. And, you know, so there's a, a relationship that's been built that if I'm sad, I go there. And to get that going, you use it too. It's not just your child. If you're sad or you're frustrated or you're angry or you've got mad at your kids and messy parenting is real, you go sit there and you work through so you demonstrate. Okay, so let's say you've done all of this. Now your child is really anxious and they go and sit in that space because that's the safe space where I know if I go sit here, this is where the whole my whole world changes. My mom, my dad, whoever comes and sits with me and says, you want to play a game? And then you pick up Brainy. I see Brainy's very sad. Brainy's sitting on the on the Brainy chair and Brainy wants to, you know, Brainy seems to be very sad. I wonder what's wrong with Brainy. Can you help? And so you, you, you'd help the child to transfer their emotions and their sensations and behaviors and so on to the, to the Brainy, which is an incredible way of getting kids. It's play therapy. It's getting the child to demonstrate through play therapy. And if they understand that like you cook in the kitchen, you cook on a stove, you don't cook on the floor. The oven is there on the wall or whatever the case. They designated space. You clean your teeth with a toothbrush in the bathroom. That concept we want to teach with mind as well. If, if I want to talk about something that's worrying me, I can go sit there. I can pick up the toy. I can make it act. I can draw some squiggles, that kind of thing. So you you can start gathering awareness. And if you if they sit there and they're hunched up and they're very sad, that's when you could you know say, can I hug you? Do you and you could do some havening or something if it's a young child and they're very tense. And you behaving where you, you know, hug, they teach them to hug themselves. I mean, there's so many great things just to calm the child down in that space and then, you know, start gathering awareness. Let's talk about Brainy's got a sore tummy. Brainy seems so sad. Emotions, bodily sensations. Brainy's been kicking all the toys around the room and throwing the school bag. I keep packing the school, Brainy's school bag, but Brainy keeps emptying the school bag. And Brainy doesn't even want to pack that nice lunch that you made for Brainy, you know, that kind of thing. So you, behaviors perspective brainy seems to really not want to go to school you know so it's that kind of and you model you enact you dramatize blah blah and so you've got the you've got the the gather awareness and then you say i wonder why brainy's doing this do you do you you know why why do you think and then you just why and then i've given you a developmental table in the book where i give you the kinds of questions to ask each age group and then you can say okay well should we because you've already kind of dramatized it you could then dramatize it again, or you could maybe draw pictures if you've already started the initiate, you know, started gathering awareness with, with the using the toy. You use a combination and it kind of they will flow. You need to do the three, but they will flow. So you may start off by saying, I see brainy and use brainy together, the warning signals. Use brainy to say why. And the third step, okay, let's show me. Let's do and try and dramatize. Brainy's kicking the toys. Brainy's really scared of going back to school. Why do you think that? that something can can you show me what Brainy why and see if you can try and stimulate them to reenact something? And that's where they maybe say, pick up another toy or another example that I, a tool that you can use is over preparation now for going back to school. You still got a bit of time. Get magazines, old magazines, as many as you can, and cut pictures out. Get four boxes or buy four nice whatever. Make it a whole art project. And in the one you're going to put emotions, any emotional face, young, old, anything, do behaviors, whatever. So get pictures cut out 
And as a child's older, they could write on little pieces of pretty paper and they could put them in there. So you start building up a stock of options. So when the, if a child doesn't want to use this, they can go and dig out that box and they can find a picture that represents how they're feeling. So you're training them to analyze and connect those those the dots kind of thing with the different signals and then once I've got this what do I do with this and if they've got four pictures or five pictures you could then arrange those on a piece of paper you maybe want to stick them down with glue and add other pictures so you can create turn these into sort of projects and as you can see this may take three or four days this may you may get as far as just finding the one picture in the box and and that's all they can handle. You don't want to ever push or force. There's a whole chapter in the book on timing this with a kid. As an adult or as an older child, your eight, nine, ten-year-old could get through the sequence in five minutes. But sometimes a two-year-old, you might shoot to the sequence in one minute because you can get to the you, you get there quite quickly. And it and it might only be a portion of the problem that you solved today. So it may get to the point where they're demonstrating brainies, kicking, whatever, and they do the whole enactment, and then they pick up another toy. And they and that other toy comes and and pushes Brainy and pushes Brainy and then Brainy moves away and pushes. So you so the child's showing you that something happened that they were pushed around and 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 then you can say, oh, is someone pushing Brainy? Did someone push you when you were at daycare or in class last year? It was something like that related back to that. Or did that happen? When did this happen? And see if you can try and help them to. You may have to give phrases and so on. And then you would end off the little cycle with an active reach. Oh my gosh, I, that's so sad. I can understand that. That is really scary. That is really, and I give a lot of tips in the book about words, be careful of statements like, that's not so bad. Because for them, it is huge. Not so bad for you. It's bad for them. Wow, that's so sad for Brainy that he felt like that. It was must have been really, really scary. I wonder how we can help Brainy feel better right now. And it might be, should we let Brainy go and watch TV? Should we go watch a bit of TV? Should we go for a walk? Should we play with the puppy? So you end off the cycle like that and then to pick that up, you know, tomorrow. And maybe tomorrow you get to the point where they actually, that you can actually get to the point. So I can see you don't want Brainy, doesn't want to go to school. So what can we do? And then you may get more detail and that may lead you to a point where you need to talk to a teacher or it may just be that it's a totally different school. And it's just the fear of being, it's, it's okay to be scared. You know, when I was little, I was scared. I've started a new job. I'm also scared of going there. This is what I'm going to do. You know, so you can, even, it may not be any trauma. It may just be that they are nervous about going somewhere new and don't know how to express it. That's, that's sort of on the simple scale, the, the one, two, three side of the, of the scale. Obviously, if something bad happened in the previous school and it's a trauma, then, you know, it's worth investigating further and you may need a bit of therapy and that kind of thing. So it gives you a lot of insight. As a parent, of course, you want to empower your child to feel capable, competent, and ready to take on the world now and in the future. So I thought it was interesting to tell you about K-12 powered schools because they are another way of choosing education that's right for your family. K-12 powered schools are an accredited tuition-free online public school for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. It's designed with an engaging curriculum that supports individual learning styles. With K-12 powered schools, learning is personalized and provides the flexibility that your family needs. When school can be anywhere, there's internet access. Your kids can learn at their own pace, in their own place. This is so right for families that really are looking for something like this. And it's not for everyone, 
but I thought it was a really cool option for families to know about. And the K-1-2 powered schools have state certified teachers, specially trained in teaching online, and they utilize hands-on innovative technologies to make the learning interactive. And they troubleshoot for having reduced social opportunities. And in fact, they offer social opportunities, extracurricular activities, and in-person events. So join the more than 2 million families who have chosen K-12 and empower your student to thrive. Go to k12.com humans today to learn more and find a tuition-free K-12 powered school near you. That's the letter K, the number 12 dot com slash humans k12.com slash humans summertime is the time to make memories with your kids whether you're staying home or you're going on travel adventures kiwico invites kids and kids at heart to celebrate this season of discovery through hands-on fun kiwico if you don't know delivers monthly science and art projects that turn curiosity into creativity from creating giant bubbles, which is what we did, to experimenting with ice cream, kids will learn in a seriously fun, hands-on way. I tried the bubble making because it was just a fun thing to do, and even older kids think it's funny. You have to try these projects because it's a science experiment, and also just like, who doesn't love blowing bubbles? But they have cool subscription lines for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers all the way up to teens. And listen, I know that it's hard to keep kids off screen, especially in the summertime. So this is just one easy way where you may have a moment to yourself and you might normally say, I'm just going to let you stay on the screens. And here you have a new option. KiwiCo encourages kids to get outside and explore and keeps them off their screens. Have an awesome summer with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code RGH at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KIWICO.com, promo code RGH. So with an older child who is just having, again, like a level two, three of just new school transition, what kind of neurocycle experience can we expect to see And is this the kind of thing where over time you can have the language, the sort of fluency in going through this process that even your children sort of know the drill? Absolutely. So I give you examples of real life people in the book. And obviously I've used this with my patients for years and my adult kids, they grew up with us. So they they learn this. It's, It's a skill. So they actually tune into it very fast. With an older child, let's say it's an eight, nine, 10 year old, there you're going to use language. And they may want to, you know, draw pictures and because they still love drawing pictures. They may, you know, cartoons are appealing to everyone. So you can still point to the cartoons, but then it's going to be more conversational. It's going to be maybe you running through a neurocycle saying, I'm really concerned, you know, maybe sit down with them and say, hey, we're in the safe space. Make sure that that designated area is no matter what you say, no matter what you do, as long as you're not hurting anyone. If you're hurting someone, I'm gonna we're gonna deal with that impact, but I know that's not you. This is a safe space. I understand this is coming from somewhere. That's the messaging you want to constantly put through. So when that child sits there, it's safe. Safe in every aspect that I can share and I'm going to get guide some sort of level of guidance. 
So you could sit down and say, hey, come sit with me here. And, and I've noticed that you are feeling really anxious. It's we've talked about emotions. I, I noticed that just don't seem enthusiastic. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to, when we do talk about going to school, you're saying things to me like, I hate that school and I don't like that person. And, you know, it's telling me something. You're scared of that teacher. You hate math. So you're telling me something and, and, I'm, and you're saying things that I, I can see that are really worrying you. So, you know, can you can you tell me more? Is that, have, have I got the right words? So you prompt and you let them feedback. So it's it's tuning in. The, the child sees you tuning in, but it's language. It seems like you think school's horrible and you really don't want to go back to that school or you don't like those friends. Something, the way that you're looking at school seems to be something scary. And I don't fully understand, but I'm here to help you. You know, that's the perspective. You seem to be complaining of a lot of headaches lately. I've noticed in the last week, as you know, school's coming up, you seem to be having a lot of headaches. And I'm concerned about that. I wonder if there's something going on, or is it maybe that you're worried? Because you, when you worry, it can, it, it goes, it's, that worry goes through your brain and it can make these trees kind of feel weird and your blood flows differently and you can get headaches. So when we feel something, it, our body does feel that. So this is really can happen. You know, that's the kind of thing kids are much more insightful than we give them credit for. And there's, I've added research studies of how they're showing how insightful children are. And they may not have the language to be able to explain, which we all know doesn't mean that you have to dumb down the, the understanding. They understand a lot more than they're able to express. And we need to tune into that understanding. And that may require you just giving a few phrases. And you can say, well, look, should be, you know the neurocycle. So now let's let's start talking about you know, why this could potentially be happening. Is it this? You may have to ask a few questions. Do you think it's maybe because at the end of school, the last day of school, your friend group was kind of bullying you a little bit. They had your best friend joined another group and you felt very isolated and alone and you don't know what to expect now because you haven't really played with them over summer. They haven't really, it seems like a friendship's broken up. Is that perhaps what's contributing to this or you know, and even use words like contributing because it's good for them to, even if they don't understand, you're stretching their language a little bit, which is good. And you can always paraphrase if you throw a big word out by mistake, you can always explain it and they'll ask you. And so that you can, they start answering, then you'd write that down. So, no, let's put all the, let's put all of this down. Let's, let's write this all over the page. It's right. Whatever we've been thinking about that comes up now, let's draw pictures, whatever. And I can put some down and you can, let's do this together. You're creating collaboration. You're creating deep, meaningful connection. You're tuning in. You're hearing them. They feel listened to, et cetera. And then that will then lead to information. Then we can say, okay, I can see this has happened. This is what happened. Your friend did. You know, you do feel very isolated. You feel left out. You've been seen from social media that your friends have got together. They've got photographs on their whatever page if they're looking at social media at the stage. And, you know, it's whatever. And I see that that's really upset you. Do you have any other friends? What does this happen? What can we do about it? We can't, you know, it's very sad and it's, we need to mourn and be sad. It's okay to be sad if your friendship ended. It's it's hard. I've had friendships that have ended. It's been, so bring your own experience in and say, okay, what can we do about this? You can't force that person to accept you or be your friend again. It's not you. It's not you that's bad. Something's happened. Maybe you had a, 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 a communication. Maybe you had a little fight. Maybe that person misunderstood you. Is it possible that you said something or they said something? You misunderstood each other? So you go through the various different rechecks, permutations, putting ideas out there. And then you may not solve it all in one day, but as I keep saying, then you'd end with a little cycle, active reach, which is, okay, well, at least we know now that you're scared to go back because of your friends potentially not you know, being friends with you and you, you feel very lonely. So we're going to work on this. So let's just stop for today 
and let's plan how we're going to work on this. But I want you to know that no matter how that person is treating you, they're going through something. What they are doing is also a signal. So you don't fully understand why they've rejected you. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make your pain less. Your pain is valid. But maybe they, so you stimulate a little bit of empathy, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, which may give them more insight into potentially, maybe there was a little argument. Maybe that person, your child did say something or whatever. And so you can, you're giving them the tools to be curious, to problem solve. You're not bubble wrapping. You're not coming in and helicopter parenting. You're facilitating. You're safety net parenting. You're prompting. You're facilitating. I think so many times today, and I don't know if you think about this, Lisa, but it feels like we all just talk about how helicopter parenting is not good, and we all know that. But it can be so hard not to helicopter parent because if you see what's going on on social media and all these perfect parents and perfect lives, we all know it's curated, but somehow it still impacts parents. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah, and you still feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that and not doing that. Your guilt, your parent, your anxiety is going to determine, influence the child's level of anxiety. They pick up on your anxiety. So then you you need to also be honest and open about that in helping a child to process their anxiety. So you know, there's no one way of doing anything. We have to keep telling ourselves and our children this, and it's okay to make a mess, and it's okay to be messy, and you know, this is what life is. It's messy. How can we solve this mess? How can we make this mess a little bit less messy? That's kind of the language so we're working on ourselves as parents and we're giving that support to our kids and all through this kind of lens of preparing the brain, preparing the mind, going into the different steps of this neurocycle, which really does seem like it's part of, you know, what we, what we know from the science yeah. and, and yeah. paying attention and then but it's just organized. reflective and yep. cleaning up. I like the idea of it's not even journaling. It's like there's no rules around it, but this page can get messy enough that it feels like you've kind of been able to make sense of what all that mess is that's going on in your brain and that you can name it and get practice doing that. And that you have this adult who's there to validate your feelings and help you understand them maybe a little bit more so that then everybody can take a little bit of action or figure out how to move forward. Exactly. And that's, that's a skill. That's a life skill. So your this is mind work that you're doing and what you're teaching your child from as young as possible is that your mind is driving everything and it's okay to be messy, but we need to manage our messy mind. So it's essentially mind management that you're teaching and you'll hear, see the word throughout my work of mind management what you're doing, the tool of mind management or the system is the neurocycle. And as you do the neurocycle, you're learning self-regulation. So initially yeah. very co-regulated. And then, so all these concepts are nothing new. It's, it's what we do as humans. It's just putting it into the framework that actually creates the change that will create a different driving force that enables us to then you know, identify. And it also creates a lot of the ability to stand back and observe yourself, which is instinctive in all of us. It needs to be developed because we get so busy and so caught up in our emotions that we don't know how to distance ourselves. You, you could, these are things you practice. So it's a lifestyle. And I've done a lot of research in this area. And we've got a big study running at the moment. And I've just published another, submitted another paper on this concept. But essentially, it takes a minimum of around about 60 days, around about nine weeks to have effective behavior change for patterns. So if it's just a little thing that's just popped up now, you can fix it before it becomes a habit. But let's say there's a habit, an established pattern 
depending on the complexity of the pattern, the complexity of the source, etc., you're not going to change and make impact in, the, in, a, in your own life or your child's life unless you do this planned and guided process daily for at least 63 days. We want things to have a quick fix, even though we know that there's no other aspect of our lives where we can have that quick fix. Yeah. But this complex mind, body, brain, we somehow think will be just a quick fix. And it's also the languaging of today, Lisa, if you think of it, because people are told that in a childhood's being pathologized. I know, it's medicalized. Misery is medicalized. Meanwhile, it's very normal to have adverse reactions to life and, and kids need to go have experienced the ups and downs. They need to grieve and be sad if their friend has broken, has you know, is no longer their friend. That is sad. That is sad, right. I do think we worry that feelings are somehow, you know, feelings equal pathology, when <laughs> hard feelings equal pathology when they're just hard feelings. And it would be, it is such a gift for parents to be able to have tools to navigate those hard feelings, but also know that they're part of being a person. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.